Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, church. My name is Peter Anderson. I'm a senior pastor at First Baptist Hanford, and we're glad that you're joining us today. We're especially excited this morning because we get an opportunity to uh, dive into a brand new series called The Holy Spirit. Uh, We just wrapped up our series uh, called The Family Tree, and in Family Tree, we talked about what it looks like for each of our families to honor God, uh, and on top of that, what it looks like to be part of the family of God. But kind of as we shift our focus into this new series, I'm excited for a number of reasons. Uh, The first reason is that I've never done a deep study of the Holy Spirit outside of my ordination. I've definitely never taught through a series on the Holy Spirit. So I'm excited for my own education, for me to be able to dig a little bit deeper with you all as we go through it. Uh, But the other reason I'm excited about it uh, is for our church specifically, uh, First Baptist Hanford is, as you guys know, a conservative Baptist church. And so oftentimes in conservative Baptist churches, there are times that we forget about the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Because of the fact that we like routine, we like things regimented, we want to make sure that we have our ducks in a row uh, to make sure that we don't end up doing something stupid. But what can happen is, is if we are too reliant on our own brains, too reliant on the things that we are able to do well, we can oftentimes leave out the role and the power of the Holy Spirit. Actually, A.W. Tozer, he's a famous theologian, he has this to say about it. He says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Now, being a pastor, uh, I recognize that this can be very, very true if we're not careful, that 95% of what we would do would just continue to go on because we are so good at routine, we're so good at regiment, we're so good at tradition. But he continues on talking about the early church. He said, if the Holy Spirit had withdrawn from the New Testament church, the early church, 90% of what they did would stop and everyone would know. And actually in many churches today across America, there seems to be a different type of Trinity. Um, Instead of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, oftentimes churches lean, lean on God, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Um, And that's not to say that the Bible is a bad thing. I think if you've listened to me ever before, you recognize that I have a very high view of Scripture. The Scripture is there for teaching, rebuking, reproof. It gives us all of the instructions regarding salvation. It is God's message to us, but God's word is not a substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to make sure that we recognize that there is power in the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to kind of take a deep dive into the classroom, if you will. And so this is going to be a little bit heady. We're going to do our best to kind of establish a baseline of who the Holy Spirit is, some of his roles, some of the things that he is. And that way, in the coming, the next four weeks, we will be able to launch a little bit deeper into how that really uh, applies to our lives. So when I was growing up, I didn't understand the Holy Spirit. I knew about the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a Baptist church as well, and so I knew uh, they taught me about the Holy Spirit. We talked about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and that sort of thing. But really, when it came to our Sunday school lessons, when it came to learning about God and that sort of thing, man, it was always God and Jesus, God and Jesus, God and Jesus. And then every once in a while, they would mention this other guy over here named the Holy Spirit. And I really thought it was just like, okay, it's Holy Spirit, 
Holy Ghost? Is this something that's just kind of like mystically following me around, some strange force or something like that? I absolutely, completely didn't get. And actually, uh, I really didn't begin to understand the role of the Holy Spirit until I got into high school and into college when I really began to dig into my Bible and, uh, and figure it out for myself. And I think part of the reason that is, is churches tend to shy away from teaching about the Holy Spirit because there tends to be a whole lot of uh, confusion regarding who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit's role uh, actually is. So I knew the Holy Spirit was important, just didn't understand why the Holy Spirit was important, and I didn't understand what it had to do with me as a person. Uh, and now even what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the church? So for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at what Francis Chan uh, calls the forgotten God. And he specifically wrote that book. as a book called Forgotten God. He wrote that book uh, as a reaction to kind of Western Christianity. And in the West, we enjoy, like I said, doing things ourselves. We enjoy accomplishment. We enjoy kind of that, that rush of building something ourselves. And so oftentimes what happens, like I said, is we forget about the role and the power of the Holy Spirit. So for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking uh, about the forgotten God of the Trinity. And while I hope we can bring kind of some clarity to the issue, uh, answer some questions that I know a lot of people have regarding uh, the Holy Spirit and that sort of thing, uh, like any good series, when we walk away, I hope you actually have even more questions regarding how the Spirit should work in your life. And maybe you're in the same boat as me. Maybe for you... Uh, you know, you've been in church for a long time. You know the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. Uh, you know the Holy Spirit is something that comes and lives into your heart, lives in your heart uh, once, you, once you're saved and that sort of thing. But maybe you're a little bit fuzzy on the details and don't know uh, that he is, how he is supposed to be incorporated into our walk. Maybe you're on the other end of that spectrum and you don't even know the Holy Spirit is, the idea of the Trinity, you don't understand that word, you don't understand uh, what that means, um, and uh, the fact that the Holy Spirit is God is complete and total news to you, regardless of where you stand. Okay, my hope today is to provide some clarity and some challenge for all of us uh, regarding our reliance on this forgotten God, not just today, but also as we continue to walk through this entire series. Because really, there's a lot of misconceptions uh, regarding uh, the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of assumptions regarding the Holy Spirit. Some of them, some of them are kind of like what I mentioned above, uh, my beliefs growing up of, uh, you know, just some mystical force kind of floating around or a ghost, or he's just kind of a, a power, kind of like the force in Star Wars or something like that. Uh, those things aren't true. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. Some of them have to do, some of these differences and assumptions have to do uh, with different denominational beliefs uh, about the Holy Spirit, things like speaking in tongues and things like healing and spiritual gifts and prayer languages and kind of the deeper you go and the more you kind of think about the role of the Holy Spirit and the different things that the Holy Spirit allows us to do, the more and more confusing it can get and the more and more intimidating it can get. So our hope is to be able to provide uh, some clarity regarding those things. My hope, though, is that we would be a church that doesn't merely know about the Holy Spirit, but we would be a church who relies on the Holy Spirit to guide us and allow us to be of one mind and one love as we do our best to impact our community for the kingdom of God. And that's not an easy thing to do. So to get us going, we're going to talk about the idea of the Trinity briefly. 
You know, the Trinity is super complex. You can ask any theologian in the world, they'll probably have a different answer regarding uh, the Trinity and how it interacts with one another, how God interacts with himself. Um, but we're going to look at that briefly, and we will talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, including who he is and the main function that he has in our lives regarding our recognition of who he is. So in order to understand the Trinity, we need to understand first and foremost that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all equal and deserving of our worship and our, and our obedience. You know, we oftentimes think of God the Father as the one who is in charge, and then the other two are kind of around to accomplish his bidding and do his will and do what God kind of wants them, them to do. But it's important to note that there is no hierarchy among the Trinity. Each and every member of the Trinity is on equal footing. All of them are perfectly equal to one another. And that is, that is seen as each of them has a role to play in the midst of creation. So we're going to go back to creation for a second. Okay, but God created... In the midst of creation, God created through Jesus, we see that in John chapter 1, created through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, without each and every one of them doing their roles, uh, the process really does break down. If you have someone who is the architect of something, thinking of God the Father here, if you have someone who is the architect of something and builders to do it but nowhere to build, Ultimately, you just kind of have a good idea. Nothing's going to, uh, to get accomplished. If you have a space to create, we're talking about Jesus here, kind of a, a space to create and power to create with the Holy Spirit, but then you have no plan put in place in order to, to understand what it looks like, then really you're, you're just going to have a whole bunch of chaos that's built. And you can look at any treehouse built by young kids right? It's the same thing. whole bunch of builders, place to build, but no plan in place that's going to turn into a mess. And lastly, if you have someone who is an architect like God and a place to build like Jesus, but no power to do it, then again, you're stuck with just a good idea. So each and every one of them had a role to play in and among creation. So it says this in Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, architect. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So from the very outset of creation, we see the Spirit of God there. The picture allows us to see that the Holy Spirit was not only active and present during the creation of the world, but he was intimately close with creation and the process that was put forth. We see him hovering over the empty void. So we need to come to terms with the fact the Holy Spirit is God and the same God as Jesus and the same God as the Father. Again, equal footing with one another. And I'm not going to continue to go in depth regarding the Trinity. Uh, we don't have that much time for you all to be that confused this morning. Um, but, uh, but just know the Holy Spirit being a member of the Trinity and not just a member, but also equal footing with the other two pieces of the Trinity is incredibly important. Um, so, as the Holy Spirit is God, though, we need to figure out what it is that we should call him. Because there's a whole bunch of different names, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Spirit. What do I, I mean, what do I say in different instances? Do I always have to say Holy Spirit? What is it that we call him? Is he an essence? Is he a mist? Is he a person? How do we even know we should use a male pronoun to be able to describe the Holy Spirit? Okay, so first and foremost, each member of the Trinity is described as a person. You know, it's easy for us to think as God and Jesus as, as people. 
Um, you know, God, anytime God is portrayed in any sort of cartoon, uh, God is the old man with the sweet beard and the long flowing robe, and somehow he's wearing Birkenstocks all the time, right? I mean, I know they're a stable shoe, but he's been wearing them forever, apparently. So that's God. It's easy for us to understand who God is as a person. And then you have the person of Jesus Christ. And so there's plenty of artistic depictions, but this one, Jesus, is probably the easiest for, understand, for us to understand who he is as a person because of the fact that he was a man who walked the earth. Most depictions have Jesus as having really long, straight brown hair, and his outer garment was always blue for some reason, right? So it's easy for us to be able to understand those two people of the Trinity. But when it comes to the Spirit, we don't recognize that the Spirit is indeed uh, a person. We tend to think of a, the Holy Spirit more of a what than a, than a who. And so we need to take time to define who the Holy Spirit is in relation to the other two members of the Trinity. Again, he is a person. And so as we are defining person, really this is the definition of it. A person is defined as one who has knowledge, feelings, and a will. And this is, this is just what is stated of the Spirit. It's exactly who the Spirit is. Okay? The Spirit has knowledge, the Spirit has feelings, and the Spirit has a will. It actually talks about the person of the Spirit for us in John 14. In John 14, 16, 18, Jesus actually says this regarding the Holy Spirit. He says, I will, pray the Father. I will pray to the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will, and will be in you. The spirit of truth. Notice spirit is capitalized there. If the spirit were only a power, this promise would actually be more like kind of compensation. It wouldn't be, I'm sending somebody else in my place. It would be more like, I'm going to be taken from you, but hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something to make up for me not being around anymore. It would be, look more like compensation than sending somebody else. He's not a power though. He's not a thing which is being given, but another divine personality. A personality who has knowledge. A personality who knew the needs of the disciples, knew their feelings, for he will identify them with it, uh, it, when they're in the midst of their distress uh, and will. For, for he's going to determine to comfort them in the fulfillment of the Lord's commission. And that's not just for the disciples. That's for the disciples here. But it's for all of us today as the church. The Holy Spirit goes on our behalf. So the Holy Spirit is a person that you can refer to as a he. Okay, I want to take a quick little side note here for all of you. There is, there's a little bit of debate here, and I want to be upfront about it. There's a little bit of debate here about whether or not the Holy Spirit is a he, the Holy Spirit is a she, or the Holy Spirit should have a gender pronoun um, at all. So there's been a little bit of debate about this over the last 2,000 years or so. But most theologians are comfortable, really, with the Spirit um, being referred to in the masculine form. Okay, grammatically, there are some hiccups in the Hebrew, there's some hiccups uh, in the Greek regarding that pronoun used, but most of it comes down to translating from one language to another. But still, there is debate regarding if the Holy Spirit should, be, should have a pronoun used. So just as a side note, uh, as you're in conversation, as you're talking about the Spirit, as you're in your small groups, whatever it may be, uh, feel free to use the pronoun he as you're talking about talking about the Holy Spirit in the same way that you would use that pronoun when you were talking about God in the same way that you would use that pronoun when you were talking about Jesus, that he is a 
he. And it tells us that even in our translations of scripture, even simply looking back at John 14, it talks about him as a he. But regardless of the pronoun, we know who he is. And specifically, we need to understand more about who he is. So we already know that he was active in creation. Okay, but also we need to know and we need to understand the Holy Spirit possesses the same attributes of God the Father and God, Jesus, and, and God the Son, God Jesus Christ. Attributes are, are kind of like traits, if you will. And the triune God, triune God is another name for Trinity, for those of you who haven't been around church that often. The triune God has two types of traits. Some of these traits are called communicable traits. Okay, communicable traits are traits that we actually have, traits that we can possess. And actually the reason man has these attributes at all is because of the fact that we are made in the image of God. Not so much that, you know, uh, receding hairlines or bulging waistbands or anything like that are made in the image of God, uh, but more so that we are made in the image of God regarding his attributes as well. And so a lot of these attributes are really, really easy for us to understand uh, because it outlines them a lot for us in the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five. So uh, these attributes would be things like love and joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, have your children at your home finish the verse for you, right? Like all of these things are what we call communicable attributes. And so the Holy Spirit has all of these attributes as well. So that shouldn't be shocking to anybody. But the thing that we also need to come to come to realize is that the other side of attributes, the incommunicable attributes, these are attributes that man cannot possess, that they're reserved for the triune God alone. These attributes, the Holy Spirit, also possesses. And so the Holy Spirit possesses things like immutability. Immutability is a big theological word for the unchangingness of God. And so the Holy Spirit never changes. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's not, the, that, that's not true for us as humans. Okay? We are not the same today as we were yesterday. Our bodies, our minds, the things that we do and think and say are constantly changing. Okay, we are not immutable, so it would be an incommunicable attribute. Okay, God's unchanging, so that's God's unchanging nature. Maybe it's his omniscience, right, that God knows everything. Same thing for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows everything. Things like his omnipresence, that he is everywhere, right? All of these attributes are exactly the same from God the Father to God the Son to God the Spirit. So not only does the Holy Spirit possess these communicable attributes, he also possesses the incommunicable ones as well, which is more evidence for us that we need to realize that the Spirit is on equal footing with God and Jesus when it comes to stature. The Holy Spirit is God. But maybe just as important to, for us to understand is, uh, is his role this morning. So I'm going to give some broad strokes today. We're going to continue to stay in the classroom today. Bear with me. I know it's a lot of heady stuff right now, um, but we're going to dive deeper a lot of this into the coming weeks. But, but much like when you're meeting someone for the first time, right, you ask your name and it, or, or ask their name. And if you're anything like me, as soon as they say their name, you forget to listen. And so you're still having a conversation with someone whose name that you forgot immediately. But after you ask somebody their name, you then ask a follow-up question, and usually that follow-up question is, what do you do? Okay? Essentially, what role is it that you play in our society? Okay? Why, why do you do what you do? What is it that you do? So you don't simply ask someone their name. You ask them about their job or 
What do you do? So when we do our best to understand what the role of the Holy Spirit is, we need to understand that that has differed slightly as we read from the Old Testament and as we read from the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would really temporarily empower individuals in order to accomplish his plan and purpose. Okay, so the, the key word there is temporarily, and that's the big change that we have from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You think about uh, Judges 13.25, it comes to mind when it talks about the birth of Samson. Okay, and in Samson's birth, you know, you had that guy who had massive muscles, really long hair, uh, Delilah, all of that stuff. But early on in his life, it says this in verse 25. It says, as he grew up, the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Okay, so the spirit of the Lord began to stir Samson. So he came upon him temporarily. And if you're familiar with the story, the Holy Spirit actually withdraws from him at one point because of his disobedience, right? So you think about things like that, that is a temporary in nature. Or in Numbers 24, right? In Numbers, we have the wonderful story of Balaam and his donkey, okay? Uh, And Balaam has kind of this responsibility to the Israelites. And it says this, it says, the spirit of God came on him and he spoke this message. So again, temporary in nature, in order for a man or person or donkey to be able to accomplish the will of God that he has at the time. So again, the operative word there is temporary. And that's going to be the big difference between how we see the Holy Spirit function in the Old Testament versus how we see the Holy Spirit function in the New Testament as well as today. Because in the New Testament, Upon accepting salvation of Christ, the Holy Spirit baptizes the believer into the family of God, causing the believer to be permanently indwelled. Okay, there's a lot of big words on here, and this can seem a little bit intimidating, especially when we talk about indwelling. Anytime we start talking about this idea of a spiritual realm, a lot of us start to feel overwhelmed, maybe start feeling uncomfortable or anything like that. So that's a big theological definition of what happens at the point of salvation, but Simply stated, and the way that we say it to our kids, the Holy Spirit has come to live in your heart, right? That's really what it is that we're talking about here. So there's plenty of scripture for us to be able to support this. Our verses from John do it justice, but even more so, 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Okay. So the big piece there you need to understand is who is in you, who is indwelled within you. If you have said yes to Jesus and made a commitment to following him with your life and you're waking up every day and saying, I'm choosing to follow God, the Holy Spirit is indwelled within you. He is within you. And that may sound strange to people who are new to faith, that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you right now. The Holy Spirit is active in the lives of believers through counseling, through teaching, through intercessory prayer, and through the expression of the spiritual gifts that he's given you. All of these things are things we're going to cover in the next couple weeks. So the Holy Spirit has a role to play. Just as the Father laid out the plans, Jesus provided an avenue for us, uh, for us to have a relationship with God. The Spirit should be active in our lives in a very, very real way. So now that we've concluded our schooling regarding the Holy Spirit and kind of who he is, uh, we need to end with why it matters to each of us as Christians. Why does any of this matter? Why does it matter that we need to recognize the Holy Spirit as God? Because I would hate for you to walk away without a so what type of moment. 
I think for us this morning, what really needs to be our acknowledgement of the power and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we recognize him as God. I think if you take nothing away from this morning, the recognition that the Holy Spirit is God is an incredibly important piece to sound theology. It's an incredibly important piece to your understanding of who God actually is. The Holy Spirit is not a mystical force. The Holy Spirit is not even an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person of God who lives inside of each of us to help us navigate God's will for our lives every single day. The Holy Spirit should help you discern between right and wrong. The Holy Spirit should help you read scripture in such a way that it illuminates passages, maybe passages that you've read hundreds and hundreds of times before, and all of a sudden you see it in a new way. I know that happens to me regularly. That's called illumination, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit should prompt you about conversations that need to be had, prayers that need to be prayed, things that need to be done. That's the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit really does provide us with the tools that are necessary to accomplish God's plans on earth. And God's plan on earth is to love him, it's to love people, and it's to serve the world. We use it as our mission statement here, but it's because it's so clearly laid out in scripture for us that if we have three things that we should be doing to be able to serve God, it would be to love him, to love people, and serve the world. And he provides us with those tools that are necessary in order for us to do that. So the real question is, is what would it look like, church, if we decided, rather than leading on our own understanding, consulted the spirit of God who is living inside of us, the very spirit of God, consulted God who is living inside of us to guide our daily steps, to, to guide our daily conversations, to encourage us when we've been put through the ringer. We would have a group of individuals who would much more closely resemble the fruit of the Spirit. And in turn, many new people would want to know why the Christian life looks so much different than the non-Christian one. And it begins with the acknowledgement of, of recognizing that the Holy Spirit is God and he lives inside of each and every one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. God, we just pray to you right now and we, we thank you for the, the confusion of who you are. The fact that, that there have been people who are studying you, who have been studying you for thousands and thousands of years, theologians, people way smarter than any of us who have still come to the conclusion that, that we cannot know everything about you and we're thankful for that. Father, I never want a God that I'll be able to explain away. And so God, I pray right now that you would just kind of uh, just illuminate our minds. Holy Spirit, illuminate our minds to be able to understand and grasp a little bit more about who you are and the role that you should play in our lives. It's a hard thing for us to be able to understand. But God, you have said over and over in scripture that there is power in your spirit. And I pray that we as believers would be willing to tap into that power, that we would be willing to lean in to who you are, that we would lean into you as our helper, that we would listen to you regularly, that you would guide our steps. 
so that as, a, as we go into our day, into our work week, into our family lives, into whatever it is that we are walking into, that we would rely on your power daily. That we would recognize that you are God who's taken up residence inside of us. Which I thank you for, Father. And God, for those who are, who are listening today, and maybe the Holy Spirit has begun to convict them regarding sin in their life who just... They, they, want, they want to say yes to you, that you are, you are beckoning to them with your spirit, God. That they want to be part of the family, that they would just pray along with us, the ABCs, the same way we end every service, Father, that they would say, A, Father, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And B, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for me so I could be reconciled to you forever, that your son paved the way and to see, I would choose to follow you every single day. And I would recognize that as I choose to follow you, that that's the role of the spirit in our lives. That it's not our ability to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps or anything like that, but it's the reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit to say yes to you over and over and over again. Father, we love you so much. Be thankful for who you are. We're thankful for your son and we're thankful for your spirit. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.